Hello, and welcome to the So You Want to Be a Marine Biologist podcast, where we learn about the ocean, share sea stories, and explore ocean careers. I'm your host, Kara Musia. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to today's show. Before we get into today's show, I want to give a special shout out to my listeners from around the world. I want to say hello to the ocean-minded folks in Oceania or Australia, the UK, my neighbors to the north in Canada, and my neighbors to the south in Mexico, Singapore, and Safa or South Africa. Wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for listening. Two quick announcements for you guys before we get into today's episode. First is, and I'm really excited about both of these things, but particularly this, I am working on a resource page for y'all on the website. On the resource page, we're going to have links to more information. I've gotten questions about how do I make a deeper dive into marine biology? What are some books and documentaries I should read? Is there anything that I can do to help further my knowledge, further my game, give me a leg up? And the answer is yes. And that is what the resource page is going to be designed to do. So like I said, I'm working on that right now and I will keep y'all updated. Um, If you are not signed up for my email newsletter, please get on that. I will definitely send out to my email newsletter subscribers first, and you can learn more over at marinebio.life. My second announcement for the day, I'm also really excited about this one. I have made updates to the Patreon page. With a patronage at the reef or sea turtle level, you and I will schedule a 30-minute phone call to talk about what ocean, career, or conservation topic is most important to you. Whether you're considering a career in marine biology or want more personalized answers or simply have a conservation topic or project you'd like to discuss, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. Hop on over to patreon.com backslash marine bio life to learn more. And I can't wait to speak with you. So for today's episode, we're going to start off by describing why the English language is kind of crazy. Obviously, if you're listening to me speak right now, you probably speak it and definitely understand it, at least a little bit. And if you learned it, you probably really understand how crazy it is. So my favorite example of this is the word present. I present to you this present or gift that I purchased for you at this present moment in time, right? Same word, pretty much the same pronunciation and three totally different meanings. So with that, you can see how the English language might be a little bit difficult to learn. Today, I am using the English language and its many nuances to my advantage, and I am interweaving two seemingly separate topics. Today, we are talking about networking, and we're talking about networking as it relates to trophic cascades and food webs, as well as networking in the making connections with people sense as well. In the ecological world, whether you are on land or in the ocean, the power of networks is pervasive. In grade school, we've learned about the food chain, how it starts with plants, and then a creature eats the plants, and then another creature eats that creature, and so on up the food chain. In the last few years, and I use few years loosely here, but in the last few years, there has been a collective realization that the food chain also works in a top-down fashion, and this is what we call trophic cascades. In the marine environment, there are many examples of trophic cascades. We've touched a little bit about sharks in previous episodes, and they offer a concise example here. 
If you remove sharks and apex predator from the ecosystem, what they eat will increase in number. That makes sense. If you remove a predator, its prey will increase. To keep things simple in this example, I'm going to say that the prey item in question here are grouper. So sharks eat grouper and then grouper eat other fish. These fish are herbivorous or foraging fish. An increase in the shark's prey grouper leads to a decrease in these foraging fish. And without these foraging fish, these housekeepers, algae can bloom, and this leads to massive issues and imbalances in reef ecosystems. So sharks impact all the way down to the reef level. Whales also offer really great examples of trophic cascades. Whales eat krill, plankton, and small fish, depending on the species. Some logic would dictate that if you remove whales from the environment, then you'd have more of these things. However, what happens is that whales help feed the very things that they eat. They actually have these really large plumes of poo that come out and all of that fecal matter is filled with nutrients and that helps fuel the phytoplankton, which helps fuel them and the rest of the food chain. There's also been some research done that suggests orcas or killer whales can even impact kelp forests. How does a toothed creature that eats fish impact a forest of plants, you may ask? So glad you asked. So killer whales or orcas typically eat seals and sea lions, which eat herring, ocean perch, and other small nutrition fish. Overfishing and climate change has negatively impacted the nutritious fish populations, and the seals and sea lions have less to eat and therefore are fewer in numbers. Orcas are smart and they look for alternative food sources. Sea otters fit this need nicely as they inhabit the same waters that seals and sea lions do. So a decrease in sea otter numbers leads to an increase in their prey item, urchins. And now urchins will eat kelp and have annihilated kelp forests in some areas. And that is how orcas affect kelp forests. By decreasing the number of sea otters, therefore sea otters aren't around to keep the urchin numbers in check, and now we have kelp forests that have been very negatively impacted. Quick fun fact about killer whales, they are actually in the family Delphinidae or the dolphin family, so it's more appropriate to call them orcas, though most people know them as killer whales. Now that we have a bit of an understanding of how the ocean is all interconnected, let's chat a bit about how people are all interconnected and how we can make it so. I've had a lot of questions about networking, and this is really great for any industry, whether you're in the marine biology world or the medical field or the journalism field. Networking is really important in everybody's life and industry. And networking is actually one of the reasons I, why I advocate for volunteering or citizen science work. In addition to getting experience and getting your name out there, it's a really great way to connect with people and show them what you're made of. And you never know where different connections may lead. Typically, I describe volunteering and citizen science in the same breath. And it's more like a project that you can take on to get you out in the field and get some experience. But this doesn't always have to be the case. For example, you could sit on the board of a nonprofit. I personally do this, and it's very fulfilling. You get to meet people in your community, you get involved with the cause you believe in, and you feel like you're making a difference. Is there an organization in your area that you really love that is a nonprofit that you could be a part of, whether it's in a volunteer capacity, or could you sit on the board and offer services that way? It's a great way to meet people, and it's a great way to give back. Also, there are boards that don't require members to be local, so that might be something worth looking into as well. So networking can also 
just be reaching out to somebody you admire or who has the job you like. Last episode with Chelsea Carlson, she shared how she found a company that had her dream job while she was in college. She cold called the owner, kept in touch through graduation and career shifts, and a few years later ended up landing that exact job. So if somebody has the job that you want, is the owner of a company that you want to work at, reach out to them. Email, call, don't be afraid to do it. However, with that said, don't take offense if they don't respond or they give you a respond, but a non-response. You never know what's going on in their life. Networking can also mean going to conferences. There are conferences worldwide for a myriad of different things. There are conferences for industry and tech. There's conferences for conservation and everything in between. Conferences are can be a really excellent way to meet people, particularly multi-day conferences. The only drawback with that is that Usually it requires some sort of travel and conferences themselves, the entry to get in is also can also be expensive. So another way to meet people in a conference-like setting is to simply go to different events or lecture series that may be by you. Is there a local nature center that offers a lecture series that you could attend or do they have a local event that you could go to and meet people? It's amazing even just in a nature center's open house, who you meet and what you learn there. Whether you are going to a multi-day conference, you're going to a lecture series, you go to an open house event, you get out what you put into these things. Don't just sit in a corner, don't be a wallflower. Be friendly, say hi, introduce yourself. Not everyone will be friendly back, but you don't know unless you put yourself out there. Maybe you'll make a friend, maybe you'll make a great connection for for a future job. You just never know. If you meet somebody that you specifically came there to talk to, make sure you have great questions to ask them. If you meet somebody that you don't know who they are, what they do, find out. Don't judge a book by its cover. Get to know some people. I hope you found value and knowledge in today's episode. We covered that networking is a really broad term. It covers ecosystems in the ocean and on land and how food chains and trophic cascades are really all food webs and networks. It also covers how we're all interconnected and that can be very powerful for making changes in the world. My action item for you today. I have one for each topic that we chatted about. With trophic cascades, is there a citizen science or volunteering project that you can help with that will help preserve a trophic cascade in your area? And by trophic cascade, I mean an ecosystem in your area. And if there is or isn't, there's a two-part to this vote. Vote for people that are committed to preserving and restoring our natural world. Policy helps shape our natural world, helps shape how we interact with it. And policy is made by policy makers. And you vote those policy makers in. So make sure you are doing your research and you vote for candidates that care and that resonate with you. The second part of my action item is take action on building your network. You never know how it may serve you in the future, whether it's fulfilling a need to be involved in doing something for our ecosystems, or if you want to make friends or building connections for your career. Pick one action, call or email someone you admire, find a local organization to become involved with, either as a volunteer or a volunteer board member, find a lecture series, a nature series, or a conference. Get out there, meet some people, make some connections. And I will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Thank you for listening to today's show. I'd love to hear any insight you've gleaned. Leave a comment in the show notes or send me an email over at marinebio.life. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review and of course, share with your friends. 
If you want more resources for ocean news, including conservation topics and careers, plus personal insight from me that I just don't share anywhere else, join me at marinebio.life and sign up for email updates. Keep after your dreams and making waves in your community. One person can make a difference. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on the So You Want to Be a Marine Biologist podcast.